Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Phil Files Christian Edition, where we take a look at a sermon from the ministry of Dr. David Phillips. Hope you enjoyed today. Jerry couldn't see me last week. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> Oh, me. Um, If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to um, Philippians chapter 2, start off in verse 1. You know, I've been, uh, with with everything that's going on in in the world today with Ukraine and, um, and Russia, and the, the, I mean, there's so many geopolitical things that are happening that, that, uh, around this, all the movement by, um, governments all over the place and trying to, um, you know, put sanctions on Russia and do other kinds of things like that. Um, the, the Ukraine, there, Ukraine has such, Ukraine is the largest mission, Christian mission sending country in the U.S. I mean, in the, in Europe. Not in the U.S., that'd be kind of odd. And, uh, it's a, it's a huge base for, for people of faith within that, that part of the world. Um, and so I think about, and, and hear stories of people of faith, uh, pastors, um, taking care of their, their flock, um, while their families are walking or trying to get out to another country. Um, I think about how, uh, too often Christians, um, Christians in the USA were persecuted. Um, we don't, we don't know what that's like in so many ways. And so, um, uh, before we really start today, I, I just would like to say a prayer, um, for the, for the nation of Ukraine, for their churches, um, for the witness that's going on there. Um, they are, In my mind, they are they are showing us, showing the world, um, what faith looks like in difficult circumstances, what leadership looks like, what resiliency looks like, what it means to be a patriot and to fight for their country. Um, uh, and so, I'd just like to start off um, the this part of our service with just a prayer for the country. So uh, let's pray. Um, God, we, th- we thank you for the fact that we can come and worship. We can sing songs, and we don't have to worry about a bomb dropping outside. 
we thank you that we have the privilege to come together and share our love with each other and share the story of Jesus and to know what that looks like. But we pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, for their families. We pray for their faith. And we thank you for how they're living it out. And Father, we just pray that you would protect them. Put your shield around them and hold them tight. We pray for the country as a whole. We pray for their resiliency. We pray for their strength, for their homes. Pray for those who have lost loved ones. And Lord, we also pray for Russia. And I pray that you would speak to the hearts of Putin and have him back off. And Father, that he would, and that this war would end. Thank you for just a chance to worship today. And help us see you in the text and hear you. And thank you for everything you've done for us. In Christ's name, amen. Chapter 1 of Philippians, uh, there was a, a lot of talk uh, by Paul about how to, uh, how to interact and to live in a world that um, is... Uh, that is is persecuting you, that is uh, trying to dismiss you, uh, that is uh, that that has thrown uh, the apostle Paul in jail, and uh, so we come to chapter two, and he makes this transition. Uh, we live in a TGIF. World. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google, and now TikTok. Do y'all have a, y'all, are y'all on TikTok? I have a TikTok account. I was told I was too old for a TikTok account by my son. So I have not put anything on TikTok. But but social media in the, in the past uh, God, 15 years since I signed up for Facebook uh, has, has, has really um, exposed us to a lot of things. And it has, it has exposed the world to us. Uh, we, we share our lives on social media. Some more than others, but it's something we do. Uh, and we have a public persona. 
Um, when people look at your TikTok uh, or people look at your Facebook or your Twitter, they learn about you. Even if it's um, if it's putting up a scripture verse, if it's putting up um, things about your kids or your grandkids, uh, if it's about um, you having fun with friends at Trillium, Uh, Lobster Dog is going to be there next Saturday night. They're really good. Uh, the lobsters, the, 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 the portion sizes are small, but it was good. Um, and, and so we put that up, and people see this public persona of us. I, if you look at my, my Facebook um, account, uh, which I'm happy to, to be friends with any of you, um, you'll see that I, um, it's a little bit chaotic what I put up. Sometimes I try to be funny, uh, which almost never happens, but I try. Uh, I put up thought-provoking things, or at least things that I think are thought-provoking. Um, I share stories about my family. Um, and so there's this public persona of me. There's a public persona of you. Uh, we we really don't put up the bad things, though, right? I mean, when's the last time you you said uh, you saw somebody put up on Facebook? I just beat my spouse. Yay, go me! We 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 don't do that. Uh, you might get arrested if you do, but some people are crazy enough to do those kinds of things. But it's really rare. Um, you don't see us put up things that. Say, you know, I'm an idiot or, uh, you know, I'm a horrible person. We don't, we don't do that. We want people to like us. We want people to have this impression of us, uh, that's, that's positive. But that's not always the case, is it? I mean, life comes along and, um, as much as we want to love our family and care for them, we don't always do a good job. As much as we, want people to think that we're smart, a lot of times uh, we say some really dumb things. Uh, as much as we want people to like us, sometimes we're just not likable. So we don't put those things up. Paul has been talking in chapter 1 so much about this Pers- this public persona of the church and how we are to interact with the world and, and function and care for them and be citizens of heaven and, and love them and live the story of Jesus no matter what. In chapter 2, the first 11 verses, he turns inward. And he starts talking about what it means as children of God, as, as people of God, as a community of faith, how we live together and function together. And so today, I just kind of want to go through the verses because it reveals some things, um, uh, even though this is a, a, a really a, a love story, a, a love note or a love letter from Paul to the church, there seems to be some things going on. Uh, inside the church, and Paul wants to kind of talk about those 
uh, a little bit at this time. And um, I'll share you, with you when we get to chapter uh, verses six and, and following, kind of why I think, kind of what I think is, or at least part of what I think is going on. And so he begins, "Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate?" Now, the New Living makes these questions. The New Living Translation makes these questions. The NIV says, therefore, if... Uh, everything in, in verse 1 is, is a conditional statement. If, if. It, it's if. But, uh, but there's also... Um, there's, there's two ways to talk about con- conditional statements... In the, in the New Testament, in, in the Greek, in the grammar. And one is, if, then, and the other is more of a sense. And so this verse, first verse in, in the book of, uh, in chapter two is really, uh, grammatically, it's a, it's a set of implied rhetorical questions that Paul is sure the Philippians um, would agree to. And in essence, this first verse, the way I have always looked at this and thought of it, is, is, is this. What value is there in following Jesus? What do you get out of it? Um... For us in the church, you know, our first answer might be heaven. You know, I get eternity with Christ and God in heaven. Okay, I like that. That's good for my future. But is there any value to a relationship with Jesus today? And for some people, that's a tough question to answer. And so Paul makes these statements, sure that the Philippians would um, would agree to them. And 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 he's 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 doing this to kind of get their attention and to focus it uh, on on their life together. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Yeah, I think there is. There's um, there's this this idea that I can turn and pray to someone who I believe uh, controls um, the wind and the rain, uh, who will hear my prayer and answer it. Yes, no, or wait. Is there any comfort from His love? Does does the love of Jesus, the love of God, bring you any comfort? I hope the answer for you is yes. Any fellowship together with the Spirit? Do you, do, do you enjoy the people that you worship with? Maybe. No, we do. 
Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Have, have they been softened because of the work of Christ in your life? And for Paul, he knows the answer to this, to these questions is yes. And so he says, make my joy complete. This is not Paul being arrogant or egotistical. We have to remember what it was like to be an apostle or being a disciple in the first century. And Jesus is the perfect example of that, right? So Jesus called 12 people. Those 12 people spent three years with Jesus. He ate with them. He shared his life with them. He called them. He invested his life in them. And the, the validation of all of that investment for him was, was their life in maturity, living and sharing his story to the people that they met. And we know that, that, um, the, the, the apostles, uh, the twelve disciples ended up all over Asia, as far east as India in some cases. And so what Paul says here is, um, I want you to, to, to validate all this investment that I have made in you by living mature, living a mature uh, life in Christ by, by um, living out what, what I've taught you. So make me truly happy by agreeing in whole, by agreeing in wholeheart, uh, by agreeing wholeheartedly uh, with each other. In other words, um, decide together and live it out. Now, um, what this doesn't mean, maybe this is a better way to to kind of describe this. What this doesn't mean is. You have to think the same way and make the, and believe the same thing that I do. In a church this size, we're going to have different thoughts and different opinions about a variety of different things. It's okay. Paul, Paul is not saying you have to all believe the same thing. We're not going to do that. We're human. And so what, but what Paul does want us to, uh, what, what he wants the church to think about is this, that, um, when a decision is made, um, let's not ostracize the people who, uh, who didn't vote the way we did. Let's not make them feel bad. Let's love on them. And if you voted or chose or think something differently, that's okay. But come together and work together for the same purpose, for the same life. He uh, he says um, to uh, to agree wholeheartedly with each other, love one another, and work together with one mind and purpose. That last little phrase there, work one together with one mind and purpose, is literally one word, and it means one soul, like S O U L E D. To have the same mind, to have the same heart, that even though you might not necessarily agree with everything, that you work together and you serve together and you love each other with the same love that has come to you from Christ 
and that is in, at work in you in the Spirit. I've, I'm old enough to have seen churches split because they built a new building and one group didn't like the color of the carpet. I've seen it. That's crazy. I've seen fights. I've, I, I, I pastored a church in Louisiana, um, and a few years later, um, it, it was a, it was a difficult place to pastor. Um, I saw some of this, but uh, a pastor that followed me uh, a few years later, um, a deacon punched him in the in the church parking lot. Because he didn't like the fact that he he wanted to the, the pastor wanted to kind of nail down um, all the money uh, uh, take make sure that they had a, 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 an accounting of all the money they received um, because of the damage of Hurricane Katrina. The the deacon's wife was the treasurer, and apparently they had skimmed money and used it to take care of their own house, and so the deacon. Just punch the pastor right in the face in front of God and everybody. Paul wants his people to serve together with one heart, with one mind, with one focus. And that is the story of Jesus. And to live out the love that has come to them from God through Jesus being worked in them by the Holy Spirit. I think it's interesting that, that Jesus in these first two verses connects uh, Christ and uh, the Spirit. Um, some scholars think that that middle section, any comfort from His love, um, uh, wonders if that is not speaking necessarily of the love of God. And if you do that, then you have um, the Trinity. And he goes on. So I have one mind and purpose, one focus. Live out the love and the grace and the mercy uh, that God has given you and is and is at work in you. Do this uh, by being wholeheartedly uh, uh, focused on the same thing, and that is the the the, lo- the story of Jesus. In verse three, he says, "Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others." This is hard, isn't it? As much as we want to not be selfish, it's just going to happen. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Instead, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. This is how they, this is how they live that one focus, unified uh, love of God out. By, by not being um, selfish and by thinking of others and about caring for others. And yes, it is hard. And God is at work in us, hopefully, to, to remove and pull that selfishness out. But I, Adam... The, the 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 temptation from the um, from the the snake in the garden from Satan in the garden was you will be like God. 
And I think sin really is us trying to be like God and wanting our own way and wanting to do things on our own and having power and having influence. And Paul says, that's not, that's not the way of Christ. That's not the way of God. God humbled Himself. We'll see that in a minute. You humble yourself. And so this gives us a hint of what was going on in the church, that there are some people who may have wanted their own way, wanted to do their own thing. And I think, um, I think what's going, part of what's going on here is that there may have been some that were so tied to emperor worship that they were having this struggle about, about who do we worship, who do we seek, who do we honor, who do we love, who do we care for. Remember, this is Philippi. There is a huge emperor cult here. They worship uh, the emperor uh, as the son of God. So that's why I think he goes into this beautiful hymn, starting in verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality was God, with God as something to cling to. Um, you ever played the, the parent card? Uh I, I, I play the parent card with the dad card with, with Xander sometimes. Daddy, can I go do this? No. Why? Because I said so. I am your father. I said so. Now that's not, can't do that for very much longer. I got to give a good reason. But sometimes we play the parent card. Sometimes we play the grandparent card. Sometimes we play the we we play the husband card or the wife card. Sometimes pastors play the pastor card. Because I said so. Paul says Paul brings this hymn. We most people think it's it's a hymn that may have been written by by someone else that Paul uh, adapted. And he says, have the same mindset, the same attitude that Christ had. He was God, but he never played the God card. If you look in, in, in all of the New Testament, you look in, in the Gospels, you see the story of Jesus. We never see this, this point in, in, in any of the stories of Jesus where Jesus says, um, you do it because I'm God. He never did that. He never said, I'm God, so listen to me. He never said, I'm God, so do what I tell you to do. He had all of the rights and privileges of being God because He was God. And He was separate from God. He was unique and distinct from God. But... As he says in verse 7, he gave up his divine privileges. He was God. He had it all. He could do whatever he wanted to. He could say, he could make, he could create just by his words. He chose 
not to do that. Instead, he let go of it. And he took the humble position of a slave. And he was born as a human being. Jesus could have played the God card any time. He didn't. He chose to give up part of who he was so that he could come and be a humble slave, a human being, so he could identify with us. Or actually, so we could identify with him. He humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. He gave up his life. He lived his life showing us how to live. And he gave up his life showing us what it means for God to love. There, there is this... Um, a lot of people struggle with this with this idea of uh, God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament. God in the Old Testament is hard. God in the New Testament looks so much different. And there really is a struggle with that. Uh, I don't have a great answer for you except to say that we have to remember that even though this is the Word of God and the story of God, um, it was written by humans, and humans have perspectives. The God of the New Testament, the, 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 the God who, uh, who, in, who, as human in Christ, went to the cross for us, His love is self-giving and self-sacrificing. Now, in the world of Philippi, where, there, where the emperor is worshipped and is called the Son of God, um, is, there, is there ever any thought in, in that mind that the emperor would play the emperor card? Go get me, go do for me, go do for me. I want... Make it happen. And I think Jesus, uh, Paul is, is contrasting Jesus with, with the, the God, the, the, the man God that the people had, uh, were worshiping. Because the emperor would have, have never thought a thing about telling his people to go do this. And the people would want to impress him so they could get influence and power and, and the things that they wanted and the things that they needed. And Paul is saying, don't live that way. Live the way of Jesus, who gave it up, who self-sacrificed, who humbled himself. And then he goes on in verse 9. Therefore, God elevated himself to a high, to, a pl- for, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, this was not a... Have you heard the term quid pro quo? In other words, you do this for me and I'll do this for you. This is not God and Jesus having a quid pro quo that if you will let go of your, uh, if you will, will, will um, let go of your, uh, some of your divine um, qualities and come to earth and, and live uh, and take the form of a slave and a human and, uh, um, and die, then, then I'll elevate you. Jesus was already there. He didn't need that whole circle. The, 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 the natural consequence of Jesus humbling himself was that, was that God would exalt him. And, and this is not God saying to us, if you will humble yourself and humble yourself and do these things, then I'll, I'll make you rich or put you in a place of honor or put you in a, in a, in a, you know, make everybody applaud you. That's, that's not what he's saying at all. It's just the, the natural consequence of us living like Jesus. Is that God will care for us and take care of us. That He will honor us even when, um, even when the, the world won't. I, I, I do find it interesting that, that those who go around saying, if you will give, then God will return to you a hundredfold. And I think about the, the life of Paul and I think about the life of the apostles who were beaten and killed and poor and shipwrecked and all that. And sometimes I wonder, why did you ever keep serving him? And there was, uh, in, in, my, in, my, in my heart, there was just a, a love and a compulsion to keep on, even though you didn't necessarily get what you want or you didn't or your life was hard our lives are not going to always be easy but just like Jesus we we continue to serve we continue to honor we continue to love not only God but those around us our eternity our reward is where in heaven I had a, a, a youth pastor one time, we were talking about this, that passage, store up your treasures in heaven. And he, and he, we were just spitballing, shooting the breeze. And he said, um, he said, what's going to be in heaven? Our money's not going to be there because the, I mean, gold is so insignificant that we're going to walk on it. Jewels are not, I mean, jewels are, are going to be there, but they're so insignificant that they just cover the gates. What's going to be in heaven? People. 
store up in heaven people. Our reward is being able to, um, for, for all of that, is being able to sit at the feet of, of, of Jesus to be in His presence and to know Him in the new heavens and the new earth. And to be able to turn and see those people that we have shared the story of Jesus with or we have nudged closer to, to Jesus uh, through our lives and through our, um, our work and to see them. Years ago, gosh, 1990s, uh, there was a song that was real popular among Christians. It's Thank You. It's called Thank You. And it talked about seeing people um, that, that they had, um, that had led them to Jesus and, and had shared with them. And thank you for giving to the Lord, because I am a life that was changed. Paul wants this church to be, um, to have this public persona of loving and caring for the community, but he also wants them to have this, uh, this reality of caring for each other and humbling ourselves for each other and loving each other in the same way that God in Christ through the Spirit loves us and has shared His love with us and has given Himself for us. Because if we, we can have this public persona all day long. But if the world hears about the fact that we're fighting or we're fussing, it makes them wonder if the life that we want to have has really impacted our own life. If, it makes them wonder if, if this change that you talk about and this Jesus that is important to you and this, this God who, who loves you, um, I, I get it. You, that's what, what you're telling me, but I hear about you fighting with, I hear about you, you know, beating up this guy in your church. What's that all about? You have this, he wants them to have this, this, this public life that is backed up by how they love each other within the community of faith. To love with the same love Jesus loved them. Now, I've been here long enough, uh, off and on since October, um, and I've heard stories. And you guys love each other. You carry for each other. And I've seen that. And that's a joy. I mean, there's there's nothing that warms the heart of a pastor than to see his people loving each other in the church. And it's beautiful. And you've loved me and my family, and I am so thankful.
And that's how Paul wants this church to function. To love each other, to care for each other, to honor each other, to do what's best for each other, knowing that sometimes it's just not going to happen because life gets in the way. We're going to... There may be times when we will disagree. The old saying is, you can disagree, just don't be disagreeable. There are times when you may not like me very much. I may say something that um, you don't think is right. That's okay. I don't hold the I don't hold the keys to the Bible, and I don't know everything. That's okay. The thing is that in those times we talk about those things and and we love each other and care for each other and not not hate. Social media brings out the worst in people. If you disagree with me, um, you're going to hell. I've seen that. It's crazy. No, I just think something differently. Paul wants his people to love each other and share with each other and care for each other. And do it... um, as a witness, uh, Jesus, uh, John says they they will know we are Christians by our love for each other. Jesus said that. It's in John, I think. And so uh, today, uh, I just want to say thank you for lo- for what I see and how you love each other and how um, you share with me and my family and the love that you share there. And I know uh, I know we will separate and go to our homes, and um, He wants you to love your spouse and your family in the same way. And that's just as important as loving each other when we come here. And so my prayer is that that, that will be the kind of church that we continue to grow, that continues to grow and continues to develop and continues to love. And that we can love our church. That could be a, a witness of our church to the world is that we love each other and we care for our community in the same way. Let's pray. Father, um, thanks for this beautiful day. You have given us to, to serve and love and care for you, care for each other, to, to fellowship and share a meal together, to laugh and smile. And Lord, uh, it's rainy, but it's a beautiful day when we come together and worship you. We pray, uh, this morning for, um, uh, for, uh, our love for each other to grow, and as, as our church grows, that that love for each other will continue, that we could be a public witness of your work in our lives as we love each other and ultimately, ultimately we love our communities. And so thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for being God. And it's in Christ's name I pray.